You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 233. Well, hey there, impact driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. Today, we are going to talk about mind reading techniques for project leaders. Understanding what the business wants rather than what they say they want is a constant challenge for project delivery people. Often the pressure is, we just need to get going. This project is too important. And that can be an absolute recipe for disaster. Good thinking does not have to take a long time. Instead, it just takes a little intensity. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by my brand new free training, The PMO Advantage. In today's fast-paced results-driven world, it's not enough to define your PMO's success by on time, on scope, on budget, or how many templates or steps in your process, or number of project managers, even number of project managers certified. You need to be great at making an impact. The truth is, if it's not clear how you're maximizing your company's return on investment, your role might be incorrectly labeled administrative overhead, and your business leaders will start working around you to get projects done. In this free training, you're going to discover how to drive measurable business value quickly so that there's no denying the clear-cut advantage you bring to the team. You're going to walk away with a whole new way to think about your role as a PMO or transformation or strategy delivery leader, and you're probably going to be surprised on some of the places that I am going to show you to provide value that you might not even be focused on right now. By the end of this free training, you will know what it will take to be that strategic business asset your business leaders need to lead your organization into the future and earn your seat at the table for good. Just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash advantage. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash advantage. I cannot wait to see you there. Okay, let's dive in. With me today to talk about mind rating techniques for project leaders is Alex Chapman. Alex has been a project manager and fixer, like many of you, for over 40 years, helping organizations achieve strategic results and real business value. Alex's expertise in outcomes thinking techniques is highly regarded worldwide. And that's why she's been a part of the Impact Summit. She's spoken to my mastermind and been on the podcast before. Her life mission is to equip project specialists with these skills. Alex has worked with major corporations in Australia, the UK, the Netherlands, and Denmark. She holds an MBA from Cranfield School of Management, UK, and teaches innovation and entrepreneurship, which is a perfect segue into where our PMO and project people need to be thinking how to be more entrepreneurial. So she has this innovation and entrepreneurship program that she teaches at Melbourne University to host grads. Okay, Alex, with all of that said, you're clearly a rock star. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all of your brilliant insights with our Impact Driver community. I am so excited to share about mind reading techniques for project people today. So thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Laura. And the, the title was chosen a little bit tongue in cheek, because you know, there's always that thing where 
you start a project and you're on the sort of project side of the fence and you get these very, very vague sort of descriptions of things that the business might want you to do. And somehow or another, you've got to actually work out what they want. And part of the problem is, is that, you know, and this is something that also is very common in the, not just in the sort of major corporates, but it's common in the startup space is that you've got an idea that you have to do some work on to crystallize where it's going to go. So you don't actually have all the answers anyway. And you have to work out how to not only discover the things that are unknowns, but you've also got to understand enough of what the business is thinking about so that you can actually present options to them that says, well, you know, if you think this is important to you, then we could do it these three ways. But if you don't care about that and you do care about this, then maybe that would be a better way of going. And so it's that thing that says, you know, one of the metaphors I use, thing that says, you know, you've got the husband and wife and the husband says, well, what would you love for your birthday, darling? And the wife says, oh, no, nothing, nothing. Just get me, don't bother about it. And of course, if he actually listens to that and says, well, I got you nothing because you said don't get me anything, he's going to be in big trouble. For all of the spouses listening, if your significant other says they don't want anything, nine times out of 10, that is not true. No, no, no. But then you go, okay, well. Public service announcement there for our audience. So how do you actually use a questioning technique to find out the sort of things that give you some ideas about what they might like and so that you can conjure up this thing without actually asking them the specifics because they'll probably say, well, I don't know if I want to try out that new restaurant in town or I don't know if I want to go on this holiday to somewhere. You know, I don't know. You know, So that's part of this thing about mind reading. And in actual fact, it's something that I do every time I start to work with any new person or any new organization. And that might be in some kind of project space or it might be I'm actually just starting a mentoring program in Melbourne for a very talented executive. And so I'm going to use this technique on her where we're going to discover what's important to her. And I'm not going to ask her a whole pile of complicated questions. The question that I use and the technique that I use is literally to sort of like, just imagine you've got a person's head in your hand and it's like a little egg in an egg cup. You kind of go chop the head off and then you splat the brain out on the page so that you can see all the thoughts that are happening. I know, metaphors, metaphors. Don't imagine that. Don't imagine that. Yeah, yeah. And then what you do is you sort them out. And the question that I use is I just get someone to start me with, you know, okay, so we want to do this kind of project idea. So just give me a couple of points and then I just literally keep asking the person one simple question. And I've learned not to change the question. But I'll tell you what the question is. I'll just say, so if they say something like, well, we want to improve the value we deliver to our clients, is an example of what they might say. I say, why is this important? Why? Exactly. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, well, because we want to, you know, some of our clients don't understand the way we engage with them. So we're not getting the best results or whatever. So I write all that down and then I repeat it back and I say, then why is this important? Yes. Now, I just keep doing that until I run out of words. And that might take an hour. A lot of people say, well, is this like 
the five whys technique. I was just thinking that because that's what I teach in our impact engine system for doing root cause analysis, which is what the five whys is normally for, right? And that's right, but it's not. And I'll tell you the difference is the five whys has a kind of implicit assumption to it that if you keep asking the question why, you will get to the most important bit, the root cause. Whereas when you're doing this, all you're doing is just using that as a cue to get them to keep talking so that you can write down on a single large sheet of paper everything, all the words that they use. It's different. It's like, that's, yes, it's different. And by the way, I just want to pause on this and make sure that if anyone is multitasking, they come back and really get laser focused on this because what Alex is sharing with all of you impact drivers is how you can insert yourself into the front end of the strategy life cycle. Because where they struggle is in really clarifying the strategy and the business reasons for that strategy. So if you want to get into the supporting, setting projects up for success before they ever start, you need to live in the strategy life cycle, the whole life cycle, including helping them clarify their strategy so that it can be executed properly. And this applies to business cases and developing a strategic plan and all of those things. So If you were multitasking, get back here, focus on this because Alex is giving you the secrets. Get your seat at the table and sit firmly at the beginning of the strategy life cycle. So, all right. Thank you. With all of that said, Alex, let's keep going. Okay. So what I find, so I'm sitting in a room and how I get started with this, because it's sort of like leapt straight into explaining what I do. First thing is I go, I'm in in the room with like the managing director of a company and he's brought me in to do some work. So the first thing I say is, look, one of the things that I like to do, and I use the term, I said, I want to get your brain on a page. So I want to see all the ideas and thoughts, and we're not going to sort it out or do anything. We're just going to, I'm literally going to write everything down, and I'm going to ask you a couple of simple questions. And I always say, is that okay? And he or she will always say, yeah, yeah, go for it. And so I then see, you don't have to look anything. You just, I write, you talk. So then we have a conversation. Or what I do, I don't change the question. Sometimes we get distracted and we'll, I don't know, there's always circumstance with me where I'll start talking about cats if there's an opportunity. But basically we try and just follow the process. And what I do is I've I've got this little tree diagram I'm scrolling out. I'm not doing a mind map because when you do a mind map, you're trying to sort and aggregate and sift information. I just write I'm just a vehicle for writing it down. But the big thing is what I then do is sit with him or her with this page of appalling handwriting and I say, right, we've got all the words down. Let's sort it. Now we're going to look for structure. This is what your intuition does. It actually looks for structure. There's a word metacognition where you do this process consciously. And I call this second bit the jigsaw puzzle sort, because it's exactly what you do when you first teach your little kids how to do a jigsaw puzzle. You know, you find all the red bits and all the blue bits and you find the corners and you try and put the, the boundaries around. And the why you do that is because then when you're, you can start to see structure and I get people to write little headings on top of the little words and they have to rewrite all the words that are on the page and nothing gets missed, so you score through them as you go. What you then do, so in about an hour and a half, and the person that's the brain owner, as I call them, gets pretty tired at the end of it. 
And what they actually often do is they say, ah, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that bit's relevant and that bit's relevant and that's a bit relevant. And then you go, okay, well, we're talking about there's something about customer life cycle, for example. Why haven't we got anything about customer processes? So are we missing bits? So those two things are the things that I can do. So that one of the things I say to people when they do this process is that that first hour and a half, you kind of have to both sort of like go get a coffee and then say, look, we'll come back and think about this tomorrow or in in a few days because you need time to process it. Yeah. I was just thinking that because I'm imagining, like you said, that the person that you've been interviewing is probably pretty tired because you're challenging their brain And a lot of people don't realize this. And my husband is an expert in several fields in nutrition, physical fitness, sleep, and knows a lot about how the brain works. And he explained to me, he said, do you realize that you burn a lot of calories when you're doing heavy thinking? It exhausts body. And I was like, explains a lot, right? On my days where I'm doing all my content, working on the book and things like that, I'm exhausted. I'm like, I haven't done anything, but you have. And so when you're forcing your brain to do all of this work, you're burning a lot of energy to do that. So they will feel mentally drained, even physically drained. So you can't just say, okay, we're going to do a whole day of pulling all this information together for this planning stuff. Nope. That's, you really have to take breaks. So I'm really glad you mentioned that because I was imagining the person on the other side of the table and, you know, and the project leader, PMO leader is like, okay, let's keep going. And the other person's like, I can't do it. I can't think anymore. You do have to take a break. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. That's a really important part of this. There's another great thing. In fact, I did a, on my LinkedIn profile, there's a quote from Pooh Bear where I think he says something like something about sometimes it's time to take a little nap. And I mentioned to people, you know, the enormous power of having, you know, because what we're doing is we're doing a metacognition process where we're doing what your brain normally does, but we're doing it in a very visible thing. So you end up with sheets of paper. And why is it important to do this with sheets of paper? because it slows the process down. Why is it important to slow the process down? Because when you're doing really good conscious thinking, you do it slowly. Yeah. But then you have a nice little snooze, you know, a really good night's sleep, and then all of a sudden what happens is that you start to see patterns and structure. But by doing this, so one of the examples I've got in my slide pack on outcomes thinking is a thing where you've got two people and, you know, it's a girl thing. We always want to lose some weight. Many women and men, you know, people of all identities are struggling with that challenge. No matter if we're sort of like, you know, like the size of one of those supermodels, but we always think, you know, a gram off our toes is going to be a great thing. But so one person says, I'd like to lose some weight. And then when you go through the thinking process, what they do is they say, okay, so why is this important? Well, I've been told to them by the doctor because my blood tests are Why is this important? Well, you know, I want to be healthy and active. Why is this important? So I can enjoy my grandchildren. So you ask a different person and they say, I want to lose weight. So why is this important? Well, I feel very drab and as if I need a new image. Why is this important? Well, I'm just coming back off from maternity leave and I'm about to start a new job. Why is this important? I want to feel confident. So in that process, they both said exactly the same thing, but they actually wanted completely different things. And if you then start to do a change plan for the person who wants to be healthy and enjoy 
have a long life so they can enjoy their grandchildren, as opposed to the change plan you do for the, the lady returning from maternity work, wants to be all confident, you know, on the ball for her new job, you've got a completely different change plan. And the way you talk, not just the process you take them through, just so our impact drivers understand what you mean by change plan. It's not just the process you take them through that's different. How you talk to people about it is vastly different because you have to speak to them in the language of the challenge that they are trying to solve, their personal why. So you can't have a generic change process and you cannot have a generic change message about the why. It's always about going back to the why for them. I think that's huge. This is great. Yes, because then what we do is that, and uh, Professor Martin Seligman, I've got his book on my bookshelf behind me, in the, the Hope Circuit, he writes very articulately about the fact that we humans are homo prospectus. In other words, what we do is we spend our default mode is imagining the future. But of course, everybody is imagining a different future. And there is an assumption when you speak to a senior exec and he says, can we have an app? What one senior executive is thinking about is, in fact, this, there's a great company in Minnesota who have just converted all of their online hypnosis CDs into an app so that you can listen to the whole library of them, learning strategies. So they've got a very different desire with their app, which is to bring their wonderful content to a new audience in a much more usable way. But other people who say they want an app might be doing it because it's a way of tying the customer to them because once you start using one app, you tend to stay with that customer because, you know, your fitness data is all there and whatever. So you buy this fitness thing and you'll always upgrade. So it's a completely different strategy. Mm -hmm. But of course, the beauty of this conversation is that the next bit is that then you say, okay, so when things are working just right, what does the future look like? Give me a couple of sentences. And that starts to become all well or well enough. That starts to become those carefully crafted sentences start to frame the intention for the project. They're the desired outcomes, right? So you can get to a reasonably good uh, statement of desired outcomes in about two hours. Once you've done it three, four, five times and you've worked out how to do it, you can do very, very well indeed to get a clear understanding of what's important to, you know, the senior exec or what's important to this steering committee or this executive leadership team. Right. And you put it down in a way that they can then start to go. And one of the great things that I find is that you give it back to them and you type up the notes and you give it back to them. And the best thing of all is when they pick up a pen and they start rearranging the words and saying, no, it's not that one, it's this one, it's not that, it's this. One of the more lovely client assignments I did was with a major disability care organisation in Australia. They were doing a huge transformation project and everybody was getting very, very stressed, including the frontline staff, because the Australian government just came in and said, oh, we're going to rearrange the whole way disability care has been done for the last 60 years, basically. Wow. And you, organisations, often not-for-profits, very laudable ones, often started by people who had had disabled and disabled people in their family. Right. 
had to rearrange everything they did. And they struggled, many of them, to make the transition. It was very hard. And one this particular organisation that I worked with, when we got to the stage of framing, crafting the desired outcome statements, there was a real word debate about how they would express the way in which the clients and the staff engaged. And there was a word about, you know, the staff enjoy their work and, you know, or do they feel fulfilled by their work? And eventually they came up with a phrase that said something like, every day is full of joy. Oh, wow. For our employees. Yeah, that was the kind of like the true north description. Yeah. There was a, the debate went up and down the organization and they said, you can enjoy your work if you work in a bank. We want to express it something Meaningful, more meaningfully yeah. for us. Wow. And so then you go, okay, now that you've got that as your true north, I kind of go, okay, well, they do have to develop an app for the frontline workers to use when they go out on site. So how does that meaning of joy feature into that? And, you know, so they kind of did something a little bit playful with the way they actually designed the app, for example, which was quite interesting. I'm imagining that. That's immediately where my mind went and probably because I'm in design mode for my book right now. But the words and what you made me think of was that, wow, I need to consider the way I want people to feel when they pick up my book. And because I was translating, sorry, my brain jumps from one thing to the next because I'm thinking about, I want to make sure like this app, when they designed it, they designed it with joy in mind, right? And so it changed the design of that app and the features and functionality with that true North in mind. It might've looked very different, more practical, more functional, maybe not so much joyful. Than if it was sort of like a timesheet accounting. Yeah, exactly. Which it also had to be, right. by so the way. So it has to be that and it has to do that functionally. But how do you want to make people feel? So that's a very interesting kind of approach yeah. to thinking about it. And then immediately, of course, then my mind jumped to how do I want people to feel when they pick up my book, right? And how do I want them to feel when they open the book? And how do I want them to feel when they look at it, right? So there's all these things already floating through my mind just from this conversation. So I'm hoping that our impact drivers listening are thinking about this in informing the why question that they ask and how it really is informing the whole process, the whole trickle down from the beginning of the strategy lifecycle, defining that strategy all the way through to how you measure success will be very closely tied to the answers to this why. And you said something that I go back to that was really important in this process. When you talked about the fact that once you've kind of pulled all of this information out of your executive, that you're trying to help clarify their strategy, that they are then going to potentially take the pen to paper and say, no, 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 it's not this, it's not that, or it might be this, or it might be that. That's a positive thing, not a negative thing. So if you go through this process, impact drivers, and you're thinking, oh, well, I didn't get it quite right because they're editing it. No, no, no. They're not editing you. They're editing themselves. And they're saying, oh, I didn't say that clearly. Because once you write it down on paper and you convert what they told you into something that they can now see in front of them and even potentially hear back from you, like you mentioned, Alex, about repeating it back to them, yep. that will help yep. them clarify their points. So it's a really good yes. thing to go through that editing cycle. And you want them to rip it apart. 
Because while they might get a little frustrated in the process, what they're doing is clarifying and articulating what really matters most, because that's the state you have to get to in order to be able to communicate it to others. And in order to be able to let it lead your design process, your build process, and all the things that you're getting. So I just wanted to really make that clear for people that that is a very healthy and natural part of this process. Yeah. And you're giving them the chance because you're actually, there's a whole pile of accelerated learning techniques that are embedded underneath this. And and I teach people those as well. But one of the techniques is the fact that as they speak, it comes out of their mouth and goes back through their ears. So it resynchronizes in the hemispheres. But of course, when you repeat it, they hear it again as well. And then quite often that triggers other thought processes, which is why you write stuff down, because they will make some mind a little comment and at some point they'll go oh my gosh that is really important and I hadn't thought about so literally you know the brain splat on the page messy writing kind of stuff and then you sort it metacognition you consciously look for patterns and meaning for sure okay so for anyone that has been going through listening to this podcast episode so can you give me the step-by-step Alex Now let's walk them through so that if they want to write it down, so pause this if you want to go get a pen and paper or type it in your notes app, what the steps are to go through this process, because I would suggest it's actually not that hard or complicated. So can you talk us through what those steps are and what it takes to get started? Yep. So it's very simple. You need a big sheet of paper. You ask the person that you're working with, you say, I'm going to get your brain on the page. I'm literally going to write your brain down. And then the question you just said, you know, if we're talking about this project, just give me a starting point. What comes top of mind? And they'll give you something. So then you just repeatedly ask the question, why is this important? They'll give you a whole pile of stuff. You then take each one of those in turn. Why is this important? And that's step one. And when you sort of fill up maybe two or three large sheets of paper and they start to run out of words so they keep repeating themselves, you go, okay, I think we've got enough to move to step two and tell them this is a jigsaw puzzle sort. And you're going to sort all the words that I've written in my appalling handwriting. Well, you may not have appalling handwriting. And you're going to rewrite them and put all the little bits like with like together. And they always say, well, what's like with like? And I go, I don't know, whatever makes sense to you, basically. And that takes about half an hour or so for them to do. And then you grab the sheets back and you say, okay, well, so you've said to me, Frederica, you said here we've got a whole pile of stuff around improved customer service levels. And you read the words back and you say, so when we're successful and the future's working just right, what does it look like? At the sentence right? And they might give you one sentence or they might give you three or four and some of the sentences are a bit turgid and sometimes they'll say something that even after you change all the work you've done, it's still almost exactly correctly worded as they want it, you know, three weeks later. And that's the first draft of your outcomes. Yes. And so I just want to break this down in the language that our impact drivers have been learning from me about the three stages of the strategy life cycle, strategy definition, strategy execution, and strategy realization. And you just covered how our project delivery people can support every single part of that process. Because one, we set the strategy up for success by supporting proper strategy definition and clarification of the business reasons, getting to the why. All of that can feed into the business cases. So if you're at the project level, you can do this to set your projects up for success individually by getting clear business cases. 
If you're at the PMO strategy delivery level, you might be using this to help them clarify their strategy and then build that strategic plan. Then in strategy execution, it's all about delivery against that why and making sure everybody involved in the process, not just the project manager, but everybody on these projects understands why they're doing what they're doing and what success looks like so that they can drive toward that success. And then in the strategy realization stage, it's all about measuring that what does success look like? Because that is easier to measure and you can put some metrics around it when you get that clarity on what success looks like. So this is perfectly aligned with how we want our impact drivers thinking about how they can support the entire strategy lifecycle from being on projects to managing projects and programs and portfolios up to the PMO or strategy delivery office kind of function. This works any of those levels. It does. And you can do it for projects that have been going for a couple of, you know, a year or quite some time that seem to be going nowhere. And you can use this process to actually work out whether in actual fact part of the issue is they're not clear about what they're intending to achieve. Once you've done your draft outcomes, there's a process that you know, it takes a couple of weeks. Just you kind of, you need to, an accelerated learning technique and I call it composting. It's also called the poo bear technique, which is so uh, sometimes I sit and thinks and sometimes I just sit. Yes. Yes. So good. So with that, Alex, thank you so much for sharing this with our impact drivers. This is something anyone can do. And we've just talked through, you can be at any level in the organization. In fact, I'm also thinking I'm going to use this on my 15-year-old as well. Help him clarify his why. So I feel like you can use this with your family, your friends, your colleagues, your executive stakeholders to help them clarify their why so you can get to those big business outcomes. So Alex, thank you so much. I'm really excited to share all that you have coming up with this audience. There's some really good things coming. Next time we talk, we need to talk about your book that you've been working on, the big book of outcomes thinking. Oh, so, yeah. And I look forward to having you back in front of our mastermind. And of course, you know, we had the summit that you participated in. I look forward to having you back next year. So thank you for all the things. I love sharing your brilliance with this community. And for all of you impact drivers listening, you now have a very practical step-by-step, easy process that anyone listening can use to help support the higher strategy life cycle, get to better business outcomes faster and make that impact that you are destined to make. Thank you, Alex, so much for being here. Bye-bye for now. 